السلام عليكم ورحمة الله الصلاة والسلام على رسول الله Welcome to another episode of the Middle West podcast I'm your host Thaqib Musa and No, I'm joking, right? I'm clearly not Thaqib Musa This is the Middle West podcast But today we've got a female takeover In light of International Women's Week So my name is Rafa Bushara And I'm with my co-host Yasmin Adam Salam guys And we're joined by um, the lovely Zara Mohammed Assalamualaikum So We've got a bio here from Thaqab that says Zara Mohammed, ex-president of forces, Scottish legend, and current XYZ of MCB. Wow, <laughs> XYZ of MCB. Thank you, Thaqab. Um, really like that they take this show quite seriously and make sure they get all the correct information from their guests. Yeah, that's why we've taken over. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They might not come back if you like us that much. Yeah. So you're the Assistant Secretary General of the Muslim Council of Britain, is that right? That's right, yeah. And you're also part of the Muslim Council of Scotland as the media head? Yeah, that's correct. I think it'd be easier to list what organisations <laughs> you're not part of. What I'll do is we'll send a link. Oh wait, it's a podcast, I can But if you just Google me, you might find a couple of things in there. Oh, good things we hope. <laughs> or you can ask Thakib Musa. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, I'm just your average Joe person who's swept into the world of leadership. So, alhamdulillah, obviously, um, as the description said, I was the first elected female president of the Federation of Student Islamic Societies. But prior to that, humble beginnings with my ISOC in Samsa, Kof Kof Yasmin, who was the first female president there. Mm-hmm. And then, of That's course... That's where we are at, we're at at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we're right? actually yeah. in Strathclyde. It's given me... Goosebumps. We've came to the brighter side of the UK. We've travelled up to it, Scotland yeah. finally. It's actually true. Everywhere's snowing right now, except for Glasgow, which yeah, has never happened before. The sun is shining. But like outside Glasgow, it's quite bad. Yeah, well, it's pretty tropical here. I Climate think a lot change. of people should relocate to Glasgow because yep. sunny skies, warm breeze... Mm. A lot of amazing architecture. <laughs> or just visit us. Everyone says they'll visit Scotland and they never they come. Never, they never do. They never they think do. That yeah. We're they never like do. this other world, like, oh my gosh, I need to travel to Scotland. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like 50 hours away. I notice sometimes, actually, with events down south, they'll have um, transport from Birmingham, Manchester, London, and in Scotland, there's just one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Transport from Scotland. Although it takes mm. me longer to get to the northern point of Scotland than it does London. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very good. good. We're big. We're big. <laughs> We're under So if we haven't convinced you, please do check out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, alhamdulillah, you know, I was able to, I mean, after kind of my journey in Fosis, uh, I decided to step up and uh, was elected in the Muslim Council of Britain and then last January joined the Muslim Council of Scotland. Um, and obviously my academic background is human rights law. So, yeah, just, you know, living life. Um, we noticed that... You say first female president. Is that something notable? Well, what are, <laughs> what are words? <laughs> I mean, I think obviously nobody just wants to be this kind of token female leader. Um, and I remember actually when I was elected, they were, when they were writing the press release, they asked me, do you want us to write first female or just president elected? And I think I, went, I said the latter. I just want to be the president elected, not... But then, irrespective of that, it doesn't matter because everybody is looking at the fact that you're a female. So I think you just have to embrace it. And I think for a lot of sisters who've spoken to me, and it's been inspiring for them. Um, and also, I'm sure, challenging for a lot of perceptions on leadership. And for me, just challenging generally. It was a very difficult experience, very challenging. I mean, I think being the first of anything puts a lot of spotlight on you. So in some ways, you're also defining that role. 
and kind of setting the path. So you have to really work hard to ensure people don't just think, well, females can't do it. And also, nobody wants to be the only female in leadership. So if you're considering it, guys, please do go for it. But, but do you see then we put that burden on ourselves of working twice as hard not to be this female label? Like, what's, what's, what's wrong with it? Oh, well, isn't that the age-old question? Very <laughs> philosophical, you see. I think it's only the second question now already. I mean, I think irrespective of whether you want to or not, um, A, it's about society generally and their perceptions of female. I think B, females' perceptions of themselves, self-doubt, self-esteem, and also thinking because men set the tone often, I was in rooms, and still am, where it's predominantly males, you know, and males are predominantly in leadership. So whether you like it or not, that is the, the baseline. I think as a woman, you just have to define what leadership means to you but also to be yourself. I think um, at one point I thought I had to be really serious mm. and really powerful um, and wear a lot of black. <laughs> but I just couldn't fight my um, jokey personality. <laughs> You're still wearing black. Um, <laughs> well, just for today, guys, we need to get up quite early for this podcast. <laughs> um, the sacrifice was real. So, you know, I think a lot of the times you think you need to be a X, Y, and Z, but actually you end up... You can't fight who you are, and you're just going to be yourself. And the most important part of me is that Scottish quality. As I'm reminded so many, um, where is it you're from? What is that accent? <laughs> but it's okay, because we can understand you. <laughs> Do you think that sometimes females are pushed into leadership roles just because they are female, to make them look good? Because now it's the new thing for all these organisations. Or right. to make the organisation look good. Um, I think we're in a time where um, there's so much more focus now on the lack of females, uh, whether it's in an executive team, in positions of leadership. Every organisation now, Muslim or not Muslim, is criticised heavily, and rightly so, for their lack of female representation. I think in some ways, um, people are... It's, I guess it's this kind of like positive discrimination, is that what it is, or affirmative action? Um, this idea... I mean, in, no one should be pushed into leadership, but I think we do need to invite women to the table, especially because we're not working from the same um, starting point as, as men. And a lot of people are like, what's oh, the best person for the job? I used to get this a lot. And I used to believe it too, best person for the job. But then who is deciding? Yeah. <laughs> who is deciding who's the best person for the job? Um, I don't think a lot of women are. And so when you say that to yourself, actually you're limiting your chances because sometimes... To make a start, you have to put yourself forward. But then what happens when women do get in the door? Like, is that not... Because I feel like, I feel like a lot of organisations have pushed women into leadership positions or into notable positions, but then the conversation now is, well, what happens after they're pushed into the organisation? Um, because, I mean, we see a lot of females leaving their positions. We see a lot of female... Um, we don't see females then taking up that position after... Um, it's, it does feel very tokenistic. No, I think that's a really important point. I think the problem is uh, leadership does not accommodate uh, the different dynamics that females face and the social issues they face. For example, if you get married, we see many people who get married, they disappear. Or if you have a child. Or the fact that it can be quite a male-heavy environment. If you're the only women in the room, which I was, you know, there's a lot of guys you have to deal with. When I was president at a committee of 17, I'm glad like more females than ever in that team, but often it would be quite a, a guy-heavy environment. And I know 
other sisters where they were the only women and they'd have to ask for another sister to come to feel more comfortable. So you can imagine that's a lot of pressure for anyone to be in. And also you're thinking, well, you know, this is this is tough. Like, is it worth it? What you know? And if you're not getting that support and if the environment isn't encouraging you to grow and helping you, then of course you're going to give it up. I think the problem is we focus a lot on the female journey and as opposed to also the male dynamic in that journey. Mm-hmm. And we don't look at males in the same way. We don't think, oh, well, why didn't they continue in their leadership journey? I wonder what happened. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they, you know, they were worried because they were going to get married and it would be too difficult after that. I remember I was actually told that once. I was in a room again. A lot of guys were there um, and they were talking about I was telling them, that I noted that there wasn't many females here. And they told me, oh, don't worry, this will happen to you too. You're going to get married, you're going to have kids, and you're not going to continue this journey. Just blatantly, to my face, that's it. That's it, right? it? Your journey is going to end soon. And I remember shocked. I was like, this isn't the kind of support you look for. Um, or that's the idea, the mentality that the guys have, and also the girls have, and that's why you don't get women continuing. And it's such a vicious cycle. It's true. Yeah. So that's what I mean. I mean, if, if that's what you're facing, then it's kind of like we've already conditioned <clears throat> that environment where women are not going to continue but we put so much focus on it as well and being on the community scene now with the elders um, I'm also like, oh, desperately looking and, and there, is a, there is definitely um, a want now for more women to step up but um, it's an older age bracket and a lot of these women maybe they've got kids or focusing on career and family life or whatever and again it's like is the space really accommodating for women and it, especially like if I'm doing media interviews um, I had a comment once from one of the TV channels saying it's so refreshing to see a female face <laughs> and also a young face and I think that we in some ways have a responsibility to keep pushing through but I don't criticise anyone who for their own personal reasons has stopped because you can't judge it, everyone's got their own circumstances and it, it's difficult But then aren't we almost like this is a bit of a devil's advocate here but like aren't we almost doomed to fail so we're saying that the organizations aren't ready for us and we're putting young women into these roles um they burn out they get put off they um and it's the same cycle as you said Rafa it's a vicious cycle and then we just end up losing these women completely so why if we, we don't do try we nothing's going to change us mean <laughs> you yourself are a trailblazer and a pioneer You've been the first female <laughs> president of, of your own. I mean, no, I think we can't look at things like, like, like that. I mean, of course, we have to be optimistic. And if no one does it, then we'll, you know, come on. That's not the attitude that we have in this podcast. <laughs> All we're saying is we must change the way this experience is. And that's why I unfortunately keep sacrificing myself. <laughs> I hope you're listening, guys, if anybody wants to join. Um, no, I mean, the reason I'm joining the community space because I think that women have an important role to play there. And, yeah, I've, I, you know, it's something I'm passionate about. And I think whether it is the community space or the workspace or whatever it is, um, we can make a difference as so long as we have a willingness to try. And ultimately, it's Allah that changes things. So we just have to put the effort in. But, yeah, I think... Things will always be difficult, but then if it was difficult, you know, well, it's not so satisfying when you change it afterwards. So. You mentioned that, you know, when you were talking about the best man for the job, and sometimes things are natural where guys do have more opportunities than girls in our day and age. And I've noticed it as well working with lots of guys. They've had things that they've done in the past or mentors or classes that 
cater for boys or men that the girls don't have. So naturally you're going to be at a disadvantage when you start, which can be off-putting for a lot of girls. And they feel, and even for the guys, it almost like invalidates their opinion that, oh, the girls know less or they're not competent for this job, but because they started at a disadvantage. So how do we, how do we tackle that? Should we go into things that we're not quite ready for and then that breaks the cycle? Or should we start from scratch and get opportunities and then put them in? But I think is there not an element of as women we're very um we underestimate ourselves and we're quite humble like even just outside Islamic organizations and community work and stuff even just looking at job applications you find a lot of guys will apply for jobs that you know to be honest they're not probably the qualified for yeah. Yeah, right? yes yeah. we said it not us <laughs> no no I've seen it I, I back you up <laughs> and then but with women we're automatically like oh, I don't qualify for that, so I'm not going to apply. It's like imposter I'm, syndrome, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. so if we had that same confidence, man, we mm. would be... No, I think, again, I think it's it's one of those things where things have to work in parallel. So you have to kind of, on an ongoing basis, try and fix the problem, but at the same time you can't stop women going in because I think we massively underestimate our value experience Um and what we can contribute and at the same time you're right we need the growth and development so I've started a series of kind of upskilling workshops for women because I just thought as well I mean it's good if you have that exposure but a lot of women and girls don't Mm -hmm. and at the same time it's actually all boils down to confidence and there just seems to be a lot of confidence on the other side Um, I guess massively overestimate their abilities sometimes. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think where we can... Um, and sometimes it's not like you need to attend a workshop or a training. I think it's about putting yourself in different environments where you're able to learn and grow and continuing to challenge yourself. Because as we've all, three of us have experienced, we've been put out of our comfort zones and we've had to thrive in that environment. Um, and we couldn't hold back, whether it's speaking up in a meeting or um, doing some public speaking at an event um, or simply encouraging one another. I mean, the, that kind of support makes such a difference. Um, and often we've seen when girls do step up and they organise an event or a conference, um, you know, you just think, and you can see it in themselves, that they just feel like this is something they've been able to achieve. So I think, yeah, it, we need to do our... All of us have a role to play where we can help and support women. And But also we have to remember that the male mindset is also quite important in that, I mean, I've been very grateful for the support from my family, my dad and my brothers and people around me. Even when I was president, mashallah, like, there was so much support from the guys too. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it can't just be women, you know. There, there's a male side to this conversation. And it's not to say that all guys are bad. I think there's been loads of brothers that have helped us and supported us. But I think it's just the environment, unfortunately, hasn't been always the most... Um, Productive. So we need support with brothers and we need girls that are going outside their comfort zone to try new things. It's quite interesting you say that because I remember recently here in Glasgow we had a family camp and the ladies there, we did an icebreaker for them just like we normally do at like events, at youth events. And a lot of them got really excited. It's the first ever icebreaker they'd ever done. Mm. And you can see even something simple like an icebreaker, how much it boosted their confidence. And then they started doing their own games, whilst before they were just sitting silently and no one was doing anything. So it's like baby steps that we need to open the doors for. And sometimes within some communities, the guys do have the keys to those doors. And the females just have to kind of go for it. But we've spoken in very generalised terms sometimes, right? We're like, all guys are like this or all girls are like this. Is that a dangerous path to trod on? 
Mm, Yes. (laughs) Correct. In in short, please don't generalise. I mean, everything is case by case and your experiences will be very different. And I think when you start thinking all guys or all girls, in some ways you can create a story that doesn't actually exist and you might be thinking there are barriers there, but there are not. And I think um, really you need to... Speak to people individually, but also remember that ultimately, like, nobody's against you. You know, like, people aren't naturally against you, unless you're making arguments with them, then maybe. But <laughs> more, more times than not, people are supportive. It's actually just a lot of voices in your own head and um, preconceived judgments. But um, I think the best thing that I learned is having a lot of emotional intelligence is a very good skill. Being able to understand people... Um, and understand how people communicate. Uh, as they say, you know, you shouldn't just, what is it, talk talk to understand, understand to talk. It's not about what you say, but it's about what the other person understands. Is it you talk know? to, don't speak, don't speak with the intention to reply or something like that? Don't speak I've to never know. heard of these. Well, for goodness <laughs> sake, yes, me. These are major productivity tips. <laughs> anyway, the point is, don't just talk at people, talk to people. And think about what they understand from your, from your message. Have you ever had a story or a scenario where it was blatant sexism? Like, you can't, <laughs> you know? Whoa, where oh do you want her to start? Guys, I don't know if I can reveal those kind of... Um, Keep it anonymous. <laughs> but, you nah, know, because a, a, <laughs> a lot of people do experience it and yeah. then they try to brush it off. Like, maybe I did misunderstand or maybe, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt. But sometimes you can't be naive on these issues either. Mm. I think I started off very naive and very kind of like, oh, everybody's nice and <laughs> And everybody's supportive. I mean, of course, if you're a woman in leadership, you're going to face misogyny. I mean, of course. So I can't say that I haven't experienced it. Um, I think I faced it in different forms. Maybe I'll be nicer about it and say sometimes people did it consciously and sometimes it was unconsciously. Because sometimes you just get very dominant figures um, that it's just in their way of being, you know. And other times it's maybe people who, yeah, actually can't really grasp the fact that women could be in leadership. Uh, so definitely, a, um, I think I get... And also now in this space, the youth thing a lot as well. A lot of people are kind of like, because you're young, you apparently don't know anything. So, uh, No, I, I definitely faced um, misogyny, unfortunately. But it comes with the perks of the job, you know? It's just one what thing can... that we um, covered when we spoke to Rod was, and she mentioned it was this internalised misogyny from women as well. Mm. Um, so she was saying, you know, some of the comments that she got were not only from men, but from women as well. Um, so how, how, how has that played into your Yeah, oh no, I definitely faced that. I think sometimes you think uh, women are going to be really supportive, and so you've got allies already, and sometimes they're just not. <laughs> and, and I think, actually, sometimes it's also to do with leadership style, and people respond to different leadership styles. Some people like more directive leadership, others more consultative and, you know, more collaborative. So... Um, my leadership style was very collaborative, very consultative, and and so sometimes that doesn't that approach doesn't work. And also maybe I'm a bit too energetic. <laughs> <laughs> I realise not everybody likes positive energy, um, but no, I think it depends. And I think you're right. I think sometimes females respond differently, and that can be really challenging. But like anything in life, you have to work through it. You know, you just have to get on with it. So it teaches you a lot. But if you let it hold you down, then you're not going to get very far. 
and, and people's opinions of you are always going to change. You know, like the weather in Scotland. <laughs> people's opinions are always going to change, so you can't just base everything on their reactions. You have to have your own moral compass, and you need to do the right thing, and that's kind of always been my guiding principles. So if we take it from a guy's perspective, right, do you think that they feel like they have to walk on eggshells when they're dealing with females in their team? Or when you know, I'm going to be really interested. Uh, can you, do you know, like, the statistics of, like, people that listen to this podcast? As in, like, <laughs> demographic-wise? So, like, no. um... I'd be, if we could, I think I'd you know what, after this, to see after this podcast, like, I think there's going to be a surge. <laughs> <laughs> we should just take over. Um, what were you saying from the male point of view? Yes, yeah, so do you feel like they are walking on eggshells when it comes to dealing with females? Because sometimes we can be quite quick to say, you know, oh, he's misogynistic or it's because mm. I'm female. I think if we start crying, that definitely changes <laughs> the game. <laughs> I've seen I've seen guys really struggle when someone cries. <laughs> like, just do whatever you want. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously, from a guy's point of view, no, I think we get we get a, a wide spectrum of of guys, and I think some guys are naturally very good for understanding. They can play that uh, supportive. I think it's that about that high emotional intelligence. So, I think some guys are very perceptive and understand teamwork in, involves different personalities. Um, and, and with the gender dynamics, they can be quite supportive of that. But I think there are others who just, like females too, just don't care. <laughs> and um, I don't know, I guess if you, it, it depends, that's very specific to the context. There might be a situation where they feel they need to walk on eggshells, but I don't think they would do that from the outset, unless they're scared of women. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's, that's a genuine question, though. Are men scared to be led by women? It's, it's, mm. it's, should we ask my husband later? Yeah. <laughs> we know what the answer is going to be. There's only one right answer. He is the leader, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I think these things we have to, as good Muslims, you know, we of course work together in a very collaborative way. Um, and leadership shouldn't be about dominating one another, because that doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. But how do so taking it from like an Islamic perspective, how do how have you found it? I'm not sure how to word this question, but like, so thinking of these dynamics, but in like, for example, a normal work setting, right? And then we, and then when you come to Islamic organisations, how does the kind of Islamic ethos or the Islamic um, parameters work into it? Like, how do we? Have you found that? How have you found that it helps? I don't know if I made any sense. My interpretation of that question. <laughs> is um, I think that obviously Islam is one of the most beautiful things because it's not just about the Islamic environment but um, also about the Islamic principles that work really, really well in terms of um, the what it... So, I mean, ultimately, all of our work is for the sake of Allah. And to do that work, we have, um, you know, morals and ethics which we follow. And I think the thing is Islam really uh, uplifts the women and not to be like very cliche and generic about this, but I think that um, if everybody follows what they're supposed to follow, then you find that there's a massive amount of respect, modesty and courtesy uh, in that team space. And also the idea that we're here to make each other shine. And in doing that and in being successful in our work, ultimately we're fulfilling that Islamic goal. So I think, for example, when we were doing the Believe and Do Good campaign for mm-hmm. with Fosis and Mab, 
It's a wonderful campaign. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female, young or old, um, but you're giving something out there to the world and in that good deed, and you can just feel like such an immense level of teamwork and also that you feel like you're really personifying what Islam really is about in that faith and action. Um, and, you know, whether it's giving blood and everybody just looking a little bit pale. I remember they had to <laughs> push, push me off the chair because they're like, you're looking like a bit too pale or going out and feeding the homeless. Like, there's so many wonderful acts of good. And I think when you're doing projects like that, all the kind of barriers and the walls come down and you're, you're actually there, as, as they say, the believers are like building blocks to one another. Mm-hmm. You know, you really, really feel it there. So I think that one of the best things about being in all the organizations that I've been part of is the incredible brothers and sisters that I've met who have made my journey uh, so much better and who I've tried to make as well. So every time I go to conference, now feeling like an oldie, <laughs> you know, I've, I've met so many people through that journey, and whether it was visiting them or working together on projects and, and, and doing different campaigns. And you just have so many memories together. And like people always say they miss their uni days or they miss their ISOC mm-hmm. days. And the reason they miss it is because of the people. Right, and the way they work together, and even the three of us, many a train journey, many a, a midnight rant, <laughs> many, many a, a lack of sleep post uh, bus ride home. Should or, have recorded you know. them. Uh, no, I think they, they probably wouldn't be. Start our own podcast. <laughs> a bit confidentially, but you know, it's it's that amazing um, brotherhood and sisterhood. Like that is the the peak of it. So I think in all of these conversations, you know, if everybody works together in the most effective manner that's when we achieve like the most so I think we fell prey to it as well so in order for us to rise up we have to rise up together and not push one gender or one group down because we did kind of refer to guys having these grandiose images of themselves <laughs> um, which is not great don't, don't do it so we have to build each other up but moving away from this whole male-female conversation yourself as a leader did you ever have these feelings of you know imposter syndrome or that you couldn't do it yeah, definitely. Oh, and I won't lie about that. And you'll see that in some of my other <laughs> publications. <laughs> um, no, I always, I think one of the biggest things I struggled with was feeling I was good enough um, and also feeling that I was the person for the job. You like, I was the right person for this. But obviously, you have to hold on to the fact that Allah doesn't give you a burden you can't bear. And also, like, if Allah opens the door to good for you, you should take it. So I think you're always constantly battling that. And I think part of it is just um, all these kind of voices in your head, like, you know, the, the waswas, but also the people around you. And sometimes you can get very harsh feedback when you're a leader. You can get very critical feedback or you think you're doing something good and then obviously it just goes horribly wrong. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of the times it's, it's actually how you deal with failure and mistakes that is really important, not successes, because success, as they say, is like um, it's so uh, temperamental. Like it comes and it goes, and it feels good, and you know the iman boosting, and all that stuff. But how do you deal with the tougher times? How do you deal with the difficult conversations? How do you deal with people not liking you? You know, and um, and as this very social creature that I am, <laughs> you know that that's really difficult. And as a leader, you know that is difficult when people. Um, you know, tell you that you, they don't think that you know you're, you're doing well, or they don't they didn't like what you did, or whatever it is. So, I think mistakes and failures, and and also they bring you, as they always say, you know, when you when you're suffering through a trial, that's when you run to Allah a lot more. And I think it's the same in leadership. Like 
when you feel like um, depleted or low, then you realize actually my faith hasn't been in the best place either. So I think leadership is a challenge and you really need to make sure that you have a very strong foundation of self-belief. And even if you don't, it's that spiritual foundation that's going to get you through. And of course, amazing company like you guys over here. <laughs> I'm sure you've experienced a lot. <laughs> yes, mean. <laughs> What's going on? What shall I do? Have um, you ever found that, um, whether it was at the start or even now, that you fell into this um, kind of, ha- I don't want to say habit, um, but let's say habit for now, um, of trying to um, not fit yourself into a box? So being constantly aware that you're going to be ticked into this box or that box or, um, or you know, like breaking the glass ceiling or... Um, being breaking the stereotype or you know being fit into any of those cliches I mean sometimes it's impossible to avoid if I'm honest yeah. I've definitely tried to fight it but it's it's becoming increasingly difficult um, you're more noticeable um, you know as a woman you're more noticeable um, and as I said I'm a young person too so I think it's hard, but I think if you can uh, make the most of it, it's probably a better way to do, to deal with it, and that's what I do, which is, well, if I'm going to be the first, I'll do my best. And if I'm going to stand out, well, I'll wear a nice hijab then. <laughs> I'll make sure I look good while I'm doing it. I mean, people like boxes, people like categories. That's how we make sense of the world. But um, it's not about being limited by that. It's actually about... Well, if if the only thing they see here is that I'm a woman um, or that I'm Muslim, then, you know, I've got a, a responsibility to do my best for that. How have you found um, the... Like you mentioned a few minutes ago or um, that one of the TV channels had said that, you know, it was refreshing that there was seeing a young female face for one. How have you found generally the non-Muslim response to your leadership journey? Yeah, I think it's been really nice, really positive. Um, Obviously, it's worrying that it is really nice and positive in the sense that there's been such a lack of, and we're 2020 guys, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, for them, obviously, it's great, and I think refreshing in the sense that there's a lot of stereotypes. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of what people digest about Muslims is not true, uh, for those who you met Muslims, you know it's it's a very small minority. So seeing a woman not all dressed in black, not looking like she's dep- you know what I mean the <laughs> the <laughs> the caricature hijabi oppressed um, is really important. And for them, uh, sometimes it it can actually be a penny drop moment that we don't all <laughs> go around oppressed by our husbands. Um, and you, we might laugh and we might think it's funny, but unfortunately, um, for people, it can be uh, quite shocking to see. So I mean, I mean, and also having the Scottish accent, I think, really is for some people. They don't expect it. They really don't expect it. I don't know what th- they think is going to come out, <laughs> but they don't expect a Scottish accent. Even some of our English Muslim counterparts, though don't expect a, a Scottish accent. Mm. So I'm always very proud of it. Although every conversation I have with someone from down south, I have to say, it's a Scottish accent. Now that we've got that out of the way, can we <laughs> start our conversation? <laughs> Although ours, all of ours is not that strong. 
Okay, yeah, we say that. I but know, I don't know when you go to yeah. right to go to like a national conference or whatever, yeah, mm. they, they make struggle. it out like we're talking a different language, mm. honestly. So, ladies, I was going to ask you, what do you think is really important from your leadership journeys? Um, for women out there, what is your message, guys? Ooh, I was not prepared for mm. this. <laughs> See that? They can, they can the, the podcast. What's important? I think you've kind of touched upon them all. Having a good support network is key. I think for me, I was quite affected by what other people thought of me um, in these kind of positions. And it would kind of boost my confidence up or down, depending on the feedback that I got. Um, so having a good support network, having people who can be quite critical of you, because the worst thing you can do being in a leadership position is not improving um, or just going about thinking you're doing the best when, in fact, there's so much you can do to change. Um, and having that time off for yourself to know who you are. So as, as cliche as, as that is, you can almost lose yourself when you're in these positions. Is that a plane? Um, we've had we've had an ambulance. We've had, we've had a plane. <laughs> Sorry, it's the crime capital of Europe. Excuse me, it's not a <laughs> cultural capital. Is what we're framing yeah, this as? People oh, make yeah. Glasgow. Yeah, I mean, what thing else mm-hmm. does? We could be the crime capital, and we can also be like one of the most beautiful. And we have the smiliest okay. thing. We're really happy as well. Yeah, they say no, that they say that um, Glasgow is the most friendly city in the world. Like, yes, people will stab you, but then they'll take you to the hospital. Buy your cup of tea. So no, as yeah. you think, yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, yeah. Um, so having good support, yeah, understanding who you are and developing in the process because you can lose yourself into it. Um, because it can be quite a lot and you put unrealistic expectations upon yourself. So regularly checking in, regularly reflecting as well um, is quite important. Um, what about you, Yasmin? I think know what you want out of it um, and always make sure that this whole renewing of intentions, I think um, you know we always have nice intentions at the start, but I think sometimes we get lost or caught up in whatever it is that comes with being a female leader. Um, and we forget ourselves um, and I think that whole important um, the whole self care and I know it's become like such a buzzword now but it is like you know our, our religion's built in self care um, for us and so making sure that you don't lose yourself um, because I think we've seen it too often where um, you know we're all excited there's another female leader out there um, and you know we set high expectations um, for ourselves and by others as well um, and we just lose ourselves that we don't um, so just making sure that you know we know what we want, we have a clear path um, and yeah having a support network I think it's quite important to gain this you know, idea of mentorship I remember when I started um, you know, the leaders, the guys around me were all talking about their mentor said this or their sheikh said this or so and so said this and they had so many people around them teaching them things that I did not have. So I kind of looked around. I used to go to my dad for things, you know. My dad's not in the active sphere or anything like that. So it was quite difficult, but then that's when I kind of started to, like, your peers can be your mentors as well, someone who's been through that. I mean, but Sarah, I think having someone outside that atmosphere also helps. Yeah, yeah, mm. it definitely does. I think you need a balance, yeah. but you can't have it all within yourself because your experience is limited yeah. and your knowledge is very, very limited. So yeah. you kind of need that. That's the whole idea of shura as well in yeah. Islam. Mm. We've got this idea of shura because of that. Your decisions as a leader can't be your own. Yeah. They have to be, you know, from a collective, and that's something you know we have to learn and we have to seek. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, completely agree with that. And I think it's that 
mentorship, you're right, that often you, you're not sure, you don't know what to do, and you just need a second opinion. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to take that and not feel like, oh my God, I need to have all the answers. So I think it's having the humility in leadership as well mm-hmm. um, to ask for help if you need it. I think towards the end, I kind of realised that, you know, my leadership is just directing this amazing team that you've got and the skills, because they have the skills, it's not necessarily yourself, um, and then doing something great together. It's all about that teamwork, and you're simply directing them. Because I think initially I used to think that I had to show a strong face all the time. Mm. Okay, I had to be kind of this bold person, nothing can affect me, my emotions didn't matter, and then that, you know, that's a recipe for burnout. <laughs> um, so slowly you realise, you know, you, leadership, that's not what leadership is. Um, and I think it's just that cultural change that we need with people doing this stuff or putting themselves forward for things that they have this idea of what it should be and then they don't necessarily think that they can fit. Mm-hmm. But how do we have those difficult conversations? I think just to be a bit practical, um, you know, how do, we, how do we not shy away from having those conversations? I think for those listening, it's almost like if you're thinking about something but feel like you're not quite there, do it anyway. I don't think I've ever done something where I felt I was capable of doing it, if that makes sense. (laughs) Um, I'm always like, okay, I'm not very good at this. Let me do it so I can improve. And that's the only way you do develop. Obviously, there's kind of limits. You have to know that you're... You know, you're not doing something that you're definitely not offended. Because we've Mm. seen it in organisations where people who don't... who, you know, have no qualifications to be in that position are very dangerous for that position and how it all crumbles apart. Um, You have to have some degree of experience, but going out with your comfort zone is really, really important. Um, But how we start those conversations, it's a good question. So I guess we've got to talk to people. (laughs) No, I mean, I think um, difficult conversations are part and parcel of anything in life, uh, whether it's in leadership, talking to your team, talking to your (laughs) mum, talking to your spouse. Difficult conversations are part of it. But I think, um, first of all, it's about being objective and thinking about what is in the best interest of what I'm, whether the organisation, the people I'm representing, faith, um, your own well-being, um, the people around you. So I think, like Yasmin said, it's it's first setting that intention and objective right, and then the path onwards. I mean, being um, president and being in charge of teams, often you find that there's a lot of different people on the team, they have a lot of different skills, and fundamentally, they have a different way of learning and communicating. And you can't have the same approach with every person. Mm-hmm. You've got to think about, and as you were saying, leadership is, is about directing people, but also about uh, helping people develop and, and achieve their fullest potential. And in some ways, you're also a coach. You're also a mentor. You're also agony aunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have all these different hats on you. And really, what you're trying to do is nurture the people around you but you do need someone to nurture you too. So I think that difficult conversations first start with relationships and building good relationships of trust so people want your feedback and also want to give you feedback. Um, I was speaking to someone, I I did one of these upskilling workshops. She had a very negative perception of what people thought of her. Mm -hmm. And I said, have you ever asked anyone what they think? No. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, then how are you assuming people think so negatively of you if you've never asked? oh well I never thought and I was like you need to go ask for feedback Mm -hmm. and I said then the optimum position is not just when you ask for feedback when people ask you to give them feedback and I think that's when you know you know you've really hit a much higher point of growth do you think we're honest with each other though with this when you have the right people around and the thing is 
I think it's good to get feedback from people who are honest. We all hope everybody's honest. Who are super critical um, and maybe who are super supportive. Like, there's no one good type of feedback. And then you just got to kind of take a balance. You'll you'll know intuitively, like, oh, that that's a bit extreme there. <laughs> Um, I wasn't that bad, but um, or or I wasn't that amazing <laughs> with a pinch of salt. Um, so I think it's about um, having a really holistic approach. But as you say, you've got to be willing to learn. Do we take feedback well though? Because you've been in a position before where you've given feedback, and sometimes it's taken really well. And they, I still know, give feedback, Rafa. Even though when they take it really badly, whether it's continue. the person in the sandwich shop that didn't <laughs> warm up my panini, You're a difficult person, Zora. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, my little sister hates going out with me because I'm like, oh my god, I need to give feedback. Yeah, whenever Zara can whip out a feedback form, she will do it. No worries. Oh my god. Um, look, not everybody takes feedback well, and that's okay. I'm still going to give you the feedback. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, the way I see it is you have a duty to tell someone. If if it is one of those situations, not necessarily, you know, not talking about funny things here, but if genuinely you feel like someone could benefit from that feedback or by withholding that information, it's not going to be good, then you should definitely say something. But with wisdom and tact. Mm-hmm. You do not need to say something with blunt force trauma. That isn't going to help anybody. But sometimes they say you need to rip the plaster off. So, oh, yeah. so I don't know, guys. Just make the best decision. Try not to make anybody cry. <laughs> or um, Just to take a step back, um, not everyone's going to be in a leadership position. Um, not everyone's going to be in a notable position. But a lot of what we're seeing... Um, can be applied in our everyday lives. Um, so what advice would you give to people in just going about their daily lives um, that will face these problems but not necessarily in a community leadership Yeah, no, no, definitely. I, th- I think I'll make maybe three points then uh, to address all the different themes of today's conversation. So firstly, if you are women in leadership or women considering leadership, and by leadership we're going to make that broad in terms of a new role, um, challenging your environment. You, you're thinking to do something in which you're going to influence and work with people. I think the first thing is not to be overly conscious of your gender. But if maybe you're going into an environment where there are a, a predominantly male um, kind of demographic. I think the first thing to do is believe in yourself and have confidence that Allah has confidence in you. Okay. So first is that internal spiritual base. Uh, Secondly, seek advice and and have that good supportive network. And if you don't, build it and give yourself that exposure. So I think challenging your own perceptions of yourself and keeping that spirituality is the key. Secondly, in terms of those who are facing some bumps in the road, um, who may be unsure about how to grow, and how to continue their um, leadership or just their journey in life. I think it's really important for upskilling. This is the new buzzword now. Upskilling. I think it's about um, growth. As a Muslim, as a believer, and as a human being, I think growth is really important. That doesn't equate to burnout and doing lots of things so you look really busy um, and it's not effective, but real growth. Think about how you can be Um, a better human being, a better Muslim, and also thinking about your skills, where you can um, contribute the most. And thirdly, in terms of um, 
I guess if you're not in any of these leadership spaces, but just in a, a just a normal person, we all hope to be normal people. Um, I think that the great thing about this podcast is about critical conversations and engaging dialogue. And I find that often um, when I'm traveling, I speak to lots of strangers, but I learn so much. <laughs> and I find that you really need to increase your network and really learn from people around you, um, whether it's for inspiration or just whether it's to broaden your mind. I think this podcast is a really important platform for broadening your thinking and to think about things differently. Everybody has a different perspective, and I think that's how we grow and learn is by sharing that. And there's a diversity of views, even within um, the Umman, even just within this little podcast that we have here. So I think um, it's about challenging your environment, your comfort zones, building that spiritual base, um, learning and growing, and being also prepared to challenge your perceptions and assumptions. So those are just some of my kind of take-home advice. Nice. Thank you. Um, I think just before we wrap up, we had one final question. Um, so we've, you know, just the rumour that's going about, but we've heard that you really like desserts. Um, is this the true key to your success? There was quite a strong rumour about my milkshake intake <laughs> during the term 2016-17 <laughs> of my presidency. I'm not going to lie here on this podcast, but unfortunately I have a very significant sugar habit, <laughs> which evolved from milkshakes to waffles. Um, now we're just on pretty much, it's an open, open season right now. <laughs> I've just had my, um, okay, we can't plug Tim Horton's <laughs> French vanilla. Uh, no, I think sugar plays a really important role, but I am trying to cut it back. Um, I think with all things, you've got to have a little bit of happiness, guys. Have a little bit of happiness. If it's a bit of chocolate or a cup of tea, go for it. I'm not going to say no. And if you've got a cup of tea for me, then I'll come on over. So I think dessert is a really important fuel for the soul. Come to Glasgow. Sorry, I'll take you for dessert. We've got good ones here. Saki Hall Street's great. Yeah, we'll walk up and down. It's Sammy Street, though, guys. <laughs> um, so, Zara, um, for joining us. Um, and I guess, to us because it's a one-off thing. But no, 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 no. Comment if you would like us <laughs> yeah. to take over this podcast. It's pretty male-heavy, guys. Just patch Thakur and Sammy. Yeah, but follow us for more. And like Kismin said, um, request us back. Um, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Um, follow us on Twitter and Facebook on Middle West Podcast and the Middle West Podcast on Instagram as well. And Sakala. feel free to email us as well, middlewestpc at gmail.com. Yep. SubhanAllah, alhamdulillah, shadu an la ilaha illa anta staghfaraka wa atubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum.